Today webinar. We're so pleased to have you. And uh, we have a special presentation today by one of our national directors over in uh, the Netherlands. It is Hanukkah. We're in, in the holiday season here of Hanukkah, an eight-day festival, and we're going to learn a little more about it. We're coming up on the Christmas season as well, but we're very pleased to have today uh, Dr. Jakob Kekstra. Uh, he's the National Director of ICEJ Netherlands. Good to have you, Jacob. Thank you, David. Now, uh, Yaakov uh, and his wife, Henny, have had a love for Israel, and uh, Henny's, his wife served on staff in our finance department back in the 90s, and, uh, but he stole her from us, went and married her, and they had two children, Timon and uh, uh, Ruth Martine, Martina, and, uh, and he, uh, Yaakov has a degree in civil engineering, but he's also taught on economics and philosophy at the university level, and he also has a theology degree, written several books. He has a specialty area where which he writes and teaches, travels around and teaches on uh, Hebraic roots, and especially about the festivals or the feasts of the Lord in the Bible. And Hanukkah, it may not be uh, instituted through Moses in the wilderness, like Passover, Pentecost, and Shavuot, and some of the other holidays. It is a big Jewish holiday, but it does have a, a link to those mosaic holidays. I think uh, Yaakov is going to uh, tell us about this today and some other good, good insights into Hanukkah. And we're so pleased to have you. Welcome. Well, thank you, David. Um, well, you had a good introduction because uh, the Jews were um, used to celebrate and go from celebration to celebration because the Lord uh, gave them those instructions. And it also gave an order to the cycle of life and the cycle of the year. We all know Pesach and Shavuot at the start of the year in uh, spring, so the start of summer, the start of the uh, uh, the season of light and it ends with the festival of the feast of tabernacles at the end of the summer in the fall so the jews were used to go from celebration to celebration that gave them a kind of order and also jesus was used to celebrate and we all know that jesus came to the feast of tabernacles and at the water libation celebration he also came to the temple on the right moment and he said if you are thirsty come to me and a river of living water came out of your innermost being. And the next day when the uh, Feast of Tabernacle, then when they shut down all the lights, then Jesus said, I am the light of the world. So we all know that Jesus was acquainted with those festivals and the Jews, they celebrated. But at a certain time in history, in the year 167 before Christ, that um, a Greek uh, empire who came already in the Middle East by Alexander the Great. Um, but Alexander the Great had no children. So his big um, empire was split up between his four generals. And the ones who took over Israel was the Syrian Empire. And one of those successors in the year 167 before Christ, Antiochus Epiphanes IV, came on invitation to Israel. Because even the Jews liked those 
Greek culture to have sports and gymnastics, and he did it naked. So that was strange for those Jews who were circumcised. So that Greek empire, he came by invitation. And what he did, he desecrated the temple, that the Jews were not allowed to uh, celebrate the normal festivals and um, not even to study the Torah. So that was to the heartbeat of the uh, religious Jews. And the Maccabees had those three years of um, yeah, in subordination of the Greek uh, emperor. And three years later, on the same day, they conquered the temple and they wanted to, um, de uh, to, to dedicate the temple again. And we all know the story of Hanukkah and that by um, one little box of oil sufficient for one day that God did that miracle that the menorah uh, um, had his light for eight days, enough time to Pre prepare kosher uh, oil for the lamp. So the Jews, even in winter time, celebrated a festival of light. And what is important to know for us as Christians, that gave me also a clue that Johannan Maccabeus, the one who was uh, conquering the temple, he said, this is the feast of tabernacle, what has a delay, a feast of tabernacle in the winter month. So the Hanukkah festival of eight days is in the liturgy close linked to the Feast of Tabernacles. And we also know that Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. And that's what we read in John chapter 10, verse 22, uh, what it is that then it came the Feast of Dedication at Jerusalem. It was winter and Jesus was in the temple area walking in a Solomon's colonnade. And the Jews gathered round him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Christ or the Messiah, tell us plainly. That means, and, and I find it wonderful that the Jews did not go to anyone and just talked about him, but he went to the master himself. And he had a um, question of expectation. Are you the Messiah? And if we go on, even uh, John the Baptist also had that question. Are you the Messiah or do we expect another one? So this, this um, question that the Jews came to Jesus is so central. And even for Christians who don't uh, celebrate Hanukkah, it's even a question of Advent. Are you the coming Messiah? And Jesus said, I did tell you but do you but you do not believe and what could have jesus told those jews now we all know that jesus told that and the messiah and that was their expectancy they had an expectancy of the messiah son of david that he is the victorious one who kicked out all those romans and uh, have the throne of david in jerusalem and that is the expectancy, what we read out of Tanakh. That is their uh, messianic um, uh, expectancy. But Jesus told an other side of the messianic predictions. And we all know in the Tanakh, there were 10 of those prophecies. And one, one of them is that there is a Messiah who suffers for the sin of his people. And for us now, 2000 years later, it's easy. 
that Jesus came the first time to be the suffering Lord, the Messiah Ben Yosef, and the next time the, when he comes again, he comes as the Messiah, son of David, to sit on the throne of David, and then we have peace all over the world. But the Jews had the time of Jesus, they had that expectancy, are you the one, are you the Messiah? And then Jesus turns it around, and especially on this festival of Hanukkah, we read, and Jews are uh, used to read every week that um, parasha, that weekly portion, and this celebration of Hanukkah, they read about the story when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers. And that's such a prophetic story. I love that story. We all know the story of Joseph, but just in short, to come to the climax on this festival. We all know that Joseph was the beloved son of his father, Jacob. And even Joseph got that purple robe. Well, and he had even twice a dream that all his brothers would bow for him. Well, I can imagine that that gives a little jealousy in the family. If the one is picked out, have a royal robe and they have their dreams. So at a certain time when their time came that the brothers sold him. And now it is, we all know that Judah sold Joseph. And he came to Egypt and he had to go through the deep thing and the suffering uh, Messiah. And when he turned 30, he was put in office. He even became the second after the Pharaoh. And we all know the story of the seven good years that he had a lot of supplies of grain and then the seven bad years. And in those bad years, the whole world came to Joseph. And even the Pharaoh gave Joseph a title. A title, what is Safnat Paraneas, what means savior of the world. And if we see that line, even when Jesus, with Jesus, when he was the first time as a baby brought into the temple, because this festival is all about dedication and rededication of the temple. So the first time when Jesus as a baby came to the temple, then there were two elderly people, Simeon and Anna, and prophesied three things over little baby, Jesus. And he said, the first is, he will be and put as a light for the nations. And that has been, that Jesus first has been a light to the nations. That even we, even in Holland, the Netherlands, got the light of the gospel. But the second is that after Jesus has been the light to the nations, then he also we will be the glory for Israel, the Shekinah glory. And that was when the Shekinah glory came, when the dedication of the temple with Solomon. Then he had that prayer and the Lord answered that prayer that the Shekinah glory came. And the last one that was prophesied on little baby Jesus, that he would be the salvation in Jerusalem or the salvation of Jerusalem. And now also back to Hanukkah, when we read the story of Joseph, he was first and he got that title of the Pharaoh. 
that he is a savior of the world. Okay, but now the question is, is he also the savior of his own brothers? Now, in the seven bad years, even the brothers and Father Jacob in Canaan got hungry. And Father Jacob sent the brothers to Egypt and they all came to Joseph. Now we know the story that the first time the brothers did not recognize Joseph, but Joseph recognized him, uh, them. And that's perhaps the same as what we did as Christians with Jesus. We gave him um, a royal or a Christian robe, but not um, to, to be recognized by his own Jewish brethren. So it's a lesson for us. And also, Joseph tests his brothers. And he said, you won't see me again before you are and coming all back, also your little brother. So the second time when the brothers came to Joseph, they came also with Benjamin. And Benjamin was the real brother of Joseph because Benjamin and Joseph were children of Rachel. The others were uh, children of Leah. So Benjamin was the real brother of Joseph, who has Joseph not seen for more than 20 years. So he has a recognition with his brother and he tests them. He, he even has a big meal with them and he gave, and he puts them all in order, Reuben, Simeon, Judah, Levi, hey, all in order. So the brothers, they marvel, they say, hey, what's going on? Well, Joseph knew them, but they did not recognize Joseph yet. And he gave a big meal and Benjamin, gave, he gave them five times as much. And first, before coming to the meal, he gave them new clothes and also Benjamin five times. And five is also the number of grace. And to, to watch and have the test if the brothers are still jealous. And now on the other brother, his real brother, Benjamin. And then he tests. And the next day they went away and the silver cup of, the, uh, of Joseph was in the sacks of Benjamin. So his police came and then they come back. And now, now we have the, the, the real story, the climax, that he is quite hard on them. And he said, Benjamin has to go in jail because he stole my silver cup. And now we read the story in uh, Genesis 44 and 45. Then Judah is standing up and pleading and says, with permission, my Lord, you are as Pharaoh. So Judah knows who he has in front of him, but he didn't know that it is his brother. And now we have the encounter between, yeah, Joseph, who Jacob wanted to have a royal uh, uh, gown, and Judah, who will have the blessing of one day the Messiah comes out of Judah. So here is the encounter, and Judah is pleading for his little brother Benjamin, and he says, "Put me in jail, but let my little brother Benjamin go to his father." Otherwise, I can't come uh, back to my father. And then Joseph could not stand it any longer. And he says to all those Egyptians, 
get out of the room. And when Joseph reveals himself to his brother, no other person is with them. And I think in this story, and we celebrate it every year with Hanukkah, and the Jews worldwide, they read this, this portion, there is some prophetic insight in it. And the Christian embassy loves that prophetic insight of the uh, celebrations. And not only for the Feast of Tabernacles, but also here with Hanukkah and the, the uh, delayed Feast of Tabernacle, the Feast of Tabernacle in wintertime, when normally there is no festival, but there is one who puts on the light, who is the Shemash to put on the light. And we know, we see here that jo Joseph reveals himself after two years to his brothers. And only when Judah has learned the lessons and only when they are all there, all the brothers. And I believe that is a prophetic sign towards this time and age. We also live 2000 years, two millennia after the story of the first coming of Jesus, that now Israel is coming back and we as Christian embassy help also with the Aliyah to have even the last one coming back because we all know that Jesus can't come back, can't come again before all the Jews invite him. So it's a prophetic sign that we help with Aliyah to have them uh, to, to be uh, back in the land. And it is after two years. So now after two millennia, it's a new day because after um, what we read in, in, in the synagogue, it's not only law, but also the prophets. And the prophetic reading in Hanukkah is about Ezekiel 37. And Ezekiel 37 is just after Ezekiel 36, after the Valley of the Dry Bones, that the prophet Ezekiel has to prophesy that those bones come again, but there was no spirit in it yet. And then the prophet has to prophesy a second time that a spirit from the four corners of us also come and come in the dead bones of Israel. And then it will be an army of Jews. And Jews means, Judah means praising of God. And just one chapter next is Ezekiel 37. That's when a prophet has to have two sticks, one of Joseph and one of Judah. And there is no um, jealousy anymore. And I think it's about this time when we see that Israel is regathering and there is no envy between the several tribes of Israel. And if you are now in Israel, it doesn't matter if you are of the tribe of Manasseh or, um, or another tribe. So we see already God is combining those two and there will be one king. Well, I think it's a prophetic sign for this time. But there is also a dark side of Hanukkah. And last week we had that article of uh, Dr. Jürgen Bühler, and it was wonderful to read as a compliment, because until now I, until now I showed the good side, and that Joseph um, 
En als het Jezus als een Messiah bent, Joseph reveals himself. Before he can be the Messiah ben David. Maar in Hanukkah, dat Israël celebrates it every year, there is also another side of it, the, the challenge side, I, I would say. And uh, in the article of Jürgen, we could also read it already, that when Hanukkah yeah, was there, that was three years after that the pagan uh, Syrian conqueror took over the temple. And he desecrated the temple, even he put a statue of Zeus, the upper king, the upper god, in the temple. The light of the menorah was out, and the altar, even a pig, he uh, uh, butchered for the uh, for Zeus. So, and that was so against all the religious use. But that was already prophesied by the prophet of Daniel, that in Daniel. Uh, seven, but also in Daniel 11, it is that one day also in the temple there will be the what do you call it in English, um, the devastator. So it was already prophesied, and it was that the temple was desecrated. And in Jesus' time, there was no um, ark in the second temple. So when Jesus is the Shamas, well. Let's look for what's going on in a prophetic line. We also know that um, the, the Greek conqueror came by invitation. And Israel always wanted to be like the other nations. And God forbade it. And even we read in Zechariah chapter 9 that God gave an envy between the sons of Sion and the sons of Greece. And there is always a different mentality. Even in the time of Jesus, you had the Sadducees, and they who loved the Greek culture. They were the aristocrats of those times, and they loved the Greek culture. They wanted to be as the other nations. And God forbade that and said, even an envy between the sons of Zion and the sons of Greece. And even today, and especially in Europe, We've seen the Holocaust, the Shoah, that the, the, the Greek mentality wants to overrule the Hebraic uh, mentality. And now when Israel is back in the land and can explore the, the way of thinking of Hebrews, and that's why we as Christians like to uh, teach about the Hebrew, Hebraic roots of our faith, because then we see something else. But that that conquering between the sons of Sion and the sons of Greece will go on. And we also see in New Testament, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, that one day there will come the man of lawlessness and puts himself in the temple and will act as if he is a god. So even in our times, we have to always be alert how we react and how do we think and we learn out of Hanukkah that even with the nine arms uh, uh, Hanukkiah that there is that special one the Shamas who puts on the other lights and even for us if we have not so much oil perhaps just enough for one day that Jesus has the spirit coming 
and makes it overflowing that all the lights of the festival and of the menorah or the Hanukkah will turn on to light. And also that we know of Jesus that he tells the parable of the 10 virgins. And those 10 virgins, they have also an expectancy. They expect the bridegroom. Like the Jews who came at Hanukkah, they had a question of expectancy. They came to Jesus with the question, are you the Messiah? And also the 10 virgins, they went out, even out of the city, to expect the bridegroom. And we know that Jesus is not only the Messiah, but also the coming bridegroom. So we can learn of those parables. And when it turns dark and all 10, so the whole minyan, the whole uh, congregation fell asleep, but when the wake up call came, then all got up, but the ones who had oil, they could come into the celebration of the festival of the law. So I think it's also a challenge for us if we have in dark times um, that the Lord will put on our light and that we as Christians, as believers, can also be a light in this world. And I think that that's even more, that, that God gives, uh, gives us the spiritual, um, how do you say that, uh, armory in uh, Ephesians 6, that we put on the whole armor of God to conquer, to know how in this battle, and you know, Israel is now in lockdown. And we heard of Peter uh, Tsukahira that uh, in an earlier lockdown, when um, Saddam Hussein wanted to conquer Israel with all those cuts missiles, and Israel was seven weeks in lockdown, that after that lockdown, there came a lot of messianic congregations. And I think that now after one and a half year of lockdown, that there is no tourist in Israel, almost the same as when Joseph reveals himself to his brothers, there were no Egyptians around. And I, I and also we pray as Christian embassy that in this time, when Israel in, is in lockdown, that God can speak to the heart of his nation, and that after this lockdown, there will be even a greater response to who they say that their uh, Messiah is. Because it's quite strange, David, it's quite strange that we as believers out of the world, we don't believe anymore in Zeus or Jupiter or Wodan or Donar, and all those things what were celebrated during uh, uh, earlier time than Hanukkah. We put that all away. We now believe as believers in the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So for us, it's a kind of challenge also for Israel. When it is time also for Israel to, to have their own God of their own God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And that's why we pray. And especially after two years of dryness, the, the brothers came to Joseph, the salvator, the salvation of the world, but he will also be the salvation of his brothers. What 
in the prophecy of Jesus, he is not only the light for the nations, but also the glory for Israel and the salvation of Jerusalem. So I think Hanukkah has a prophetic meaning in it. So that's why I'm so enthusiastic about speaking on uh, the festivals and also on Hanukkah. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, look, uh, there's a lot to chew on here. You've given us a lot of good nuggets, and uh, we want to sort of go back over some of this uh, a little with you. Uh, and I'll try and break it down into three areas the parallels between the Hanukkah, an eight day festival, and, the, and Sukkot, a fall harvest festival, but held in winter. Uh, number two, the Torah portion and the Haftarah portion that Jewish people read this week in the connection with the story of Joseph and even Ezekiel. It's very interesting. And then the whole uh, prophetic angle uh, from the book of Daniel. So let's try and uh, go back over some of this material for our people. Uh, Sukkot is an eight-day fall harvest feast, but the the Seleucid Syrians, the Greek Empire that, that was in Syria, they, uh, they were under Seleucid and Antiochus Epiphanes. He had banned circumcision. He had banned, uh, I think, Torah reading. He was trying to wipe out the Jewish faith, Judaism. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't like uh, Purim where they were trying to uh, uh, wipe out the Jewish people. This was uh, Hanukkah is about wiping out the Jewish faith. And that included you couldn't you couldn't observe Passover or uh, Pentecost, Shavuot, or Tabernacles. So, as they won the victory, they had just gone through the Sukkot season, Tabernacles, but hadn't been able to celebrate it. And you're saying even one of the Maccabees made a direct link. It's a little late, a couple of months after, but we're going to have a Hanukkah celebration. I mean, Hanukkah, what we call Hanukkah now, it was like a, a late Sukkot celebration, correct? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that's also in the books of Maccabean that Yohanan ben uh, Maccabeus said himself, it is the, um, the Feast of Tabernacles in winter season, or the delayed Feast of yes. Tabernacles. That's why also those eight days is linked to the eight days of the Feast of Tabernacles. We yes. all know seven days of the feast, but one extra day, the Shemini Atzeret, the day of closing, when they close down all the lights. And then with Hanukkah, it starts with the light. Because mm -hmm. uh, when Yohanan um, uh, Maccabeus, he said they only found one little um, uh, uh, thing of oil sufficient for one day but they did not want to wait any longer they wanted to put the menorah on as a festival of light and to uh, dededicate the temple and um, then god did the miracle that one uh, bottle of oil what was sufficient for one day it long for eight days enough to prepare new kosher oil but those Eight days of Hanukkah are also in the liturgy, and what they read during the days are linked to the eight days of Feast of Tabernacles. Mm, yeah. Very interesting. It's all you in know, my book about the celebration of the seasonal uh, things. So there I put in all those details, what, what readings they have in the, in the yeah. eight days of Hanukkah. 
Uh, the, the name of the book is God's Prophetic Feast. Yeah. 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 I think we have it available in our bookstore at, uh, uh, it should be icejstore.com or something like that. And we'll, we'll yeah, put it up in the I chapter. Also, I also had that chapter of Hanukkah I uh, sent to the, the headquarters. So all the participants who want can have that chapter of Hanukkah. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, I don't know if many people know this, but uh, in America, we just went through the holiday of Thanksgiving. It's always like uh, third or last Thursday in, in November. It, was, it wasn't until Abraham Lincoln during the Civil War that he made it a national holiday, but it was celebrated mainly up in the New England area based on that first Thanksgiving by the uh, English colonists at Plymouth Rock, the Pilgrims. And it's interesting because they, they had a certain stream of philo-Semitism, I, I would call it, more than, say, Zionism. It was more of a, um, a, an identification with the Jewish minority in the, around them in Europe who were a similar persecuted minority, religious minority. And they adopted the covenant concept after they, they were Puritans who, got, uh, who left England, went to Holland, to Leiden. Yeah. And even there, uh, Holland was the last bastion of religious freedom in Europe. And, but even there, they finally got chased out and went to the New World. And uh, there were many who died the first winter. That spring, the local Indians taught them how to uh, grow the right crops. They hunted, they did whatever, and they realized we're going to have enough food to make it through that second winter. We're going to survive. So they held a fall festival. And the way they approached scripture, they read their Bibles in Hebrew. They, they you know, they were, I wouldn't call them Zionists, but they were philo-Semites and, and a lot of respect for the Jewish people and God's covenant with them. And they, uh, they saw in, even in the New Testament, the New Testament church uh, observed days of prayer and fasting and days of thanksgiving if prayers were answered. And so they decreed a whole week and based it on Sukkot, a fall harvest festival, which they were familiar with in scripture. They were in some of the New England colonies in those early years before the U.S. was established. They even banned uh Christmas and, and Easter, that they they really didn't have, uh, you know, such, you know, they questioned their origins and said, we want to celebrate the biblical feasts and what and the other days that the New Testament church in the book of Acts celebrated. And so Thanksgiving itself is, is a delayed celebration of the fall harvest festival of tabernacles or Sukkot as well. It's quite interesting that there's a link even between Hanukkah and, and Thanksgiving there, and uh, it's the influence that the Bible has on it. It's quite interesting. Any comment there? Yeah, that's not only in the U.S., but also in the Netherlands, in the Reformed tradition, we have, we have a day of prayer on a Wednesday in the early spring, and also at the end of October, we have a, a Thanksgiving day. And also for the for the harvest, but we all know that the festivals of the Lord of Pesach and Shavuot and Sukkot they are also linked with the agriculture, and they have the first fruits and 
at the end of the year, the great harvest that you also give thanksgiving to the Lord. Because you, when you celebrate, you don't come with empty hands. And when the Lord has blessed you with so many foods and the fruits of the trees, then it's easy to also have those 10% uh, to the Lord. Yeah, those... Amen. And then the the Torah portion. Every week, the the five books of Moses, the Jewish people have divided them into sections, four or five chapters each week. It's called the Parashot or the Torah portion. And so the Torah portion they read in synagogues on the Saturday that falls during Hanukkah each year is is the story of uh, within that is the story of Joseph revealing himself to his brothers. And then there's a Haftarah portion, which there, it's another portion of the Old Testament, the Tanakh, that they read. And that's Ezekiel 37, the vision of the dry bones. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And especially of those two sticks, one of Joseph and one of Judah. And when the, with the Torah portion, we see that Judah and Joseph, they are also in that encounter. And first is Joseph, the leading one who's testing Judah, but Judah was the one who first sold Joseph. So that is always a kind of envy between those two. And then Ezekiel 37, then we read, then those two sticks in the hand of the prophet become to one. And when you have two sticks in the hand of one, it's a kind of a cross. So perhaps that's also a prophetic sign. And there is no jealousy between Judah and uh, Joseph anymore so that's a prophetic sign yes now uh when you read uh it's it's actually genesis chapter 44 where judah intercedes for benjamin some uh christian scholar bible scholars talk about how you can even see in the in the hebrew text the original hebrew that somehow the light has gone on for judah and he's starting to recognize, hey, this might be Joseph because of the way uh, he uses the, say, the phrase Avenu, our father, talking about uh, um, Jacob uh, and, and appealing to Joseph, uh, saying our father, meaning you and me, our father, and talking about our brother, Benjamin, or our brothers, all the other brothers, that somehow uh, Judah already had some inkling or notion that this this might be Joseph, and that's a very interesting thought. And some, uh, you know, I've heard some good Bible teaching that this is the case. Yeah, thank you. There's also the other side that um, the first time when Joseph has this encounter with the brothers, then he sends them back to Father Jacob to also have uh, little Benjamin coming. And he sends them back with a lot of food. And he says, I also believe in God. Then Joseph reveals already half of it, that he's not just as the Egyptians and uh, worship the, the, the Egyptian gods. No, he says, I fear God. Well, that is also quite interesting. Yeah, it is um, uh, uh, what the Christian embassy always told, progressive prophetic fulfillment it's it's yes. Uh, yes. every time new light comes on on the same message and i think that um 
you know, Judah, uh, yeah, you have to wonder, how does he get this birthright? You know, he was the third brother, the third oldest brother. How does it fall on him? And I really think there's that important moment here when he offers himself as a surety. You have one of the older brothers, it's uh, Reuben or Simeon. He, he says, I'll give my two sons as a surety. He was talking to his father, Jacob, still back in the land. And Jacob doesn't want to send Benjamin. And, and how am I ever going to seem alive? This is going to kill me. And, you know, the one older brother says, well, I'll offer um, uh, my two sons as a surety. But Judah says, no, I will offer myself as a, a guarantee that Benjamin will come back alive. And when he's there before Joseph, he says, put me in, put me in the, in the clink. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think that showed Joseph that at least Judah had changed. There had been a change yeah. there. Yeah, and I think that was also already a process because we read in the chapters before that um, Judah left his brothers and then we had the story of Tamar and that. And then all of a sudden, Judah comes back to his other brothers. So he, he already knew my, my um, heritage and I have to be with my brothers, the other brothers. And then what you told that a second step that he wants to give himself for the other brother, even for the youngest. And that's why Joseph reveals himself. So I think that's a prophetic line that, uh, and in Judah, we see the Jews and that they also have learned during the history, the lessons. Now the question is, did we learn our lessons? Huh? <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. And I think there's also uh, some who teach that that Benjamin represents the the messianic jews today and how are uh their their real jewish brothers their jewish brothers in the flesh how are they going to treat them today that the messianics are sort of a test for the jewish people today of how they would really treat messiah if he came by how they treat them and i think it's important and and it's a big topic of debate here in israel and they're people who feel strong now on both sides and a lot of people in the middle are becoming more acceptive of it. It's quite interesting. Yeah, and especially that in former years, those Messianic Jews were not recognized as real Jews because then they were Christians. And that's also the split between, between the 10 brothers, sons of Leah and Judah, uh, no, uh, Benjamin and Joseph who were sons of Rachel. And um, yeah, there is something in that Benjamin could be the, the youngest one, the, the youngest part of uh, Jewish that the Messianic Jews. But I think that the last years, there's more openness, even in Israel, to accept also uh, the Messianic Jews, even in the army and so on. They are more accepted as years ago. So, yes. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you you brought up uh, Ezekiel thirty-seven, the vision of dry bones, but also the vision of the, you know, the ingathering and and the two sticks of Judah and Ephraim. I think in the prophetic passages back in Genesis, it says 
something about the stick of Joseph, which is in the hand of Ephraim, I think is how it phrases it. Yeah. Yeah, there is also something uh, what, what changes every time. Eh? Also, when, when uh, Jacob wants to bless the children of Joseph, he said change. And also when, when Joseph, um, well, Joseph was the beloved son of his father, but Judah gets the biggest uh, blessing at the end. So there is always that change. And yeah, I think that's also the, 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 the uh, sons of Sion against the sons of Greece. The Greece people think logically and the the science they think more how god wants them to think and that's sometimes that crossing and for us it's also new because we are more influenced by the greek thinking than with with the hebraic thinking yeah this uh this takes us to your your third point about the book of daniel and some of the prophetic uh passages there and uh, you know it is quite fascinating that the certain passages in the book of Daniel are so accurate on what happened with Alexander the Great and his yeah. kingdom splitting into four, and then the king of the north, king of the south, the, the, the various wars and jockeying between Seleucid Syria and Ptolemy Egypt uh over the beautiful land uh, i think it describes it as in in daniel and the, the fighting uh, and and even the encounters in jerusalem that's so accurate that some say well the book of daniel was written after the fact when uh and the truth is there have been uh, uh copies of the book of daniel manuscripts found that date back around 400 years before christ so that it would have been before these events, and the, you know, so accurate uh, that it's you know only only God can know these things. Yeah, it's a sermon on its own because also in Daniel chapter eight, there is a prophecy of Daniel how many years the um, sacrifices will not be there on the altar, and twenty three hundred years, and if you count that from the times of uh, um, uh, Alexander the Great, 323 before Christ, 2300 years after. Then we come in 1967 when Israel has Jerusalem reunited. So there is so much prophecy out of Daniel is not only accurate for the festival of Hanukkah, but also for the now, for the rebirth of Israel. Yeah. And it also says in the book of Daniel, when it's it's in these passages that that really a lot of the events of Hanukkah were fulfilled and Daniel foresaw them, he's told about them, and it's amazing how accurate it is, but that uh, it says that those who know their God will do exploits and some yeah. say the Maccabees in their defeat, it was just a miracle, the miracle of light, there were a lot of you know, you can't explain how they were able to defeat them. Uh, it was an exploit, uh, a wonder before the Lord to do that. And uh, and I think even the word, even the words of Daniel inspired them in those days uh, to to stand up and defeat the the Syrian Greeks. 
Yeah, and especially it was during winter season. So during the festivals of Pesach in the spring and tabernacles in autumn, those uh, uh, Syrian conqueror had their soldiers in Jerusalem to prevent that the Jews would come to the temple. But in wintertime, those uh, soldiers were not there. And then it was much easier for the Maccabean to conquer uh, the temple and uh, dedicate the temple again. It's also the, the time of the year. Yes. Okay. I don't know if there's uh, anything else you want to add, or let's see if there's questions here. Uh, Jackie from uh, Canada says they celebrate Thanksgiving there in Canada, uh, the second Monday in October. Uh, and uh, I just had a Canadian at my Thanksgiving dinner, and uh, he got his first big turkey dinner. <laughs> And, uh, and uh, others saying thanks for your work and helping with the Aliyah. Amen. We're going to be helping some, uh, just as, as the, you know, Israel found uh, refuge, Judah, the Jewish people, they found refuge in Africa, in Egypt, uh, and then returned back to the land in the Exodus. Uh, we're helping uh, some African Jews, the Ethiopian Jews, make their Exodus back to the promised land finally after 2,700 years, the go Israeli government just letting everyone know that uh, the Israeli government has just approved an evacuation plan to bring 3,000 Ethiopian Jews back to Israel. Uh, there's around 5,000 that qualify, that are eligible for return, and they're gonna try and bring around 3,000 of them just in the coming weeks. We've committed to bring at least 200, and we really need some help on that to, so that we can bring more. Uh, it's going to take a collective effort, and the, the Israel authorities and the Jewish agency are looking to their Christian friends to help. So uh, please prayerfully consider what you can give to help with this uh, Aliyah, this great in-gathering. It's quite interesting, Yaakov, that even in Hanukkah, they're reading a Torah portion about the restoration of Israel, uh, uh, of the Jewish people back on the mountains of Israel, and it all we all things lead to this last day return and restoration to the land and to God through their promised Messiah. Anything to add? Yeah, and that Jesus won't reveal Himself before all the Jews are there. Eh? So that's why the Aliyah is a prophetic sign of this. Time and age. Yeah, the, uh, we, we'll um, we'll have to see. There's different passages that it. There's some that's that some scholars say that the when the Messiah comes, when Jesus comes, there will he will have that honor of one last in gathering. But I I do believe you you have in the Jewish people gather here today. Uh, uh, remnants, significant remnants of all 12 tribes. I do think it's important that all 12 tribes be represented here. And uh, the, the B'nai Menashe in India, I think the tribe of Manasseh, the, um, I think the Ethiopian Jews, they uh, claim descent from one of the other uh, tribes. I can't uh, remember right now, but uh, I, you know, the, I believe that, you know, it, Jewish people need to come home. They need to come home. And there's even reports that uh, more and more American Jews, I think the 
applications for Aliyah in North America are up 400% during Corona. And then a lot of them are from ultra-Orthodox Jews who've been, always been taught that you have to wait for the Messiah to come and, and, and he's going to be like Moses leading us back to the promised land. But some are saying, you know, there's been, uh, the Corona has stirred anti-Semitism. It's just another excuse. They don't feel safe even getting blamed for the high gas prices there. What, what is this crazy stuff? And they don't feel safe even in America anymore. So there's actually an increase in the ultra-Orthodox Jews in America coming. And uh, we'll see what happens in the days to come. We just, if, if the Jewish people want to come and God moves on their heart and we pray they would, we want to be there to help them. And we know we're one step closer to the coming of the Lord. We want to thank uh, Jacob Kegstra, our ICEJ National Director in the Netherlands. Hi to Henny and your children and every, all your team there. Uh, blessings from Jerusalem. Happy Hanukkah to you and to everyone. Uh, we wish you a happy holiday season as we move through Christmas and New Year. We're going to be back here next week uh, with a uh, another webinar uh, on uh, the Israel bashing at the UN during this season, where it's called the ending the Israel hate fest at the UN during this time of year, right around the Hanukkah festival, right as you get close to uh, Christmas. There's these annual days that are marked at the UN where all these resolutions condemning Israel, all these actions uh, demonizing Israel are taken. And we believe we see the light at the end of the tunnel that there's going to be a way to stop this if we just put our efforts with if Christians around the world, we'll join with our Jewish friends and saying, let's end the hate fest at the UN. We're going to talk about this next week with Gil Capen. He used to be a uh, um, a key uh, member. Uh, he was uh, an advisor, uh, worked for uh, uh, a key member of Congress on the Middle East subcommittee in the House of Representatives uh, up in uh, in Washington. He was one of my best contacts on the Hill, on Capitol Hill, when I was a registered lobbyist for Israel in Washington. We're going to have him uh, talking about the efforts he's put on and the and the progress we've made in standing up to the uh, the hate fest against Israel at the United Nations next week here on the webinar. Also join us next Wednesday at four o'clock for our global prayer gathering. We've got a great lineup of people there. That uh, we have our uh, Jurgen Bueller, our, our uh, executive, our president, will be there. Peter Sukahir, of course. We have Danny Meka, our national director from India. Powerful, incredible things have happened in his life and ministry. And we'll have special reports from Lebanon and Iraq on what the Lord is doing there, as well as worship and prayer. Please join us then. We want to wish you all a happy Hanukkah. God bless you from Jerusalem. We are definitely in a time of dramatic change. Many leaders, they speak that this current crisis that is going all around the world means like a reset or a recalibration even of the Word of God here in this world. It's a new season where 
We do sense new tools are required and a new type of leadership. And in this challenging time, it's important for us to remember that God is not locked down. He is still active. He's not restricted in his ways of dealing with the church, but he can bring new things to your ministry and new things even to your personal leadership. We see prayer increasing around the world and hear testimonies of people coming in large numbers into the kingdom of God. I do pray that this year's Envision Conference right here from Jerusalem will inspire you to be a better leader, to cope the challenges that we are facing and to expect great things from God for your ministry. I look forward to seeing you at Envision 2022 and I believe that the Lord will give us guidance. Discover, grow, and lead at the Envision Pastors and Leaders Conference. Join us as we take you to different locations in the land of Israel. Hear insightful teachings that will enrich your faith. Enjoy worship and fellowship together with pastors and leaders from across the globe. Register today. Go to on.icej.org slash envision2022.